Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. As the name says, we're business creators. We have our entrepreneurs, small business owners, local business owners. We have the marketing and business coaches, consultants, and mentors. We have the folks who help others create their businesses, and the do-it-yourselfers like to have your own hands on the levers as you grow. If you are one or more of the above, and many of our listeners who tune in every week for our episodes are all of the above, please take a moment, explore episodes, discover how we help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Check us out on iTunes. Do a search for Business Creators Radio Show. Be sure to subscribe. You'll get fresh content every single week, and you'll have immediate access to over 220 episodes on a breadth and depth of topics relevant to business creators just like you, helping you serve at the intersection of your brilliance and passion. So today, we are going to talk about the power of vulnerability. I have discovered through the years that when we allow ourselves to be a little bit vulnerable, you know, you go on social media, especially you go on Facebook and Twitter, and you see that everybody seems to have this perfect life. Everybody has a million-dollar business. Everybody's taking 20 weeks of vacation per year. Everybody has the perfect kids, the perfect life, the perfect car, the perfect wife, the perfect husband, everything. But what we don't see is what ends up on their cutting room floor, just like when we look at other folks and we wonder how they have it so good and we seem to struggle. It's because we know what's on our cutting room floor. Now, what I've discovered is sometimes when you let people see the deleted scenes, see what ended up on the cutting room floor, see the, the gaps. I mean, sometimes you buy DVDs of your favorite TV show or a movie, and they have the deleted scenes and the goofs and the bloopers. And those tend to be very popular for a reason, because people love to see people being people. And that is why I wanted to do this episode on the power of vulnerability you know, we've had a little bit of back and forth, but I'm very excited that we've been able to bring on with us today Mr. Barry Kaplan. Now, just to tell you a little bit about Barry, he's the co-author of a book called The Power of Vulnerability. And as a partner in a company called Shift 180, he coaches business leaders and their teams to unlock their full potential. So what I'm going to do here is, first of all, let's bring Barry in. Barry, come on in. The weather's fine. I am here. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for the invitation. You bet. We have a lot to cover today, so before we dive in, what I want to do is I just want to turn this over to you for just a moment. Uh, I told people what you do for a living. I told people the title of your book, but what I'd like to do is actually sort of lead by example here and just tell us a little bit more about your personal journey and uh, what you have traveled through that has brought you to the point where you are today serving business creators from the intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Thanks, Adam. I appreciate that. And um, I, I will pick up the pieces from my cutting room floor because the full story isn't perfect, but it is real. And my real story is uh, that it took me a while in my journey to figure out what I really wanted to do. I started out as a lawyer. Um, knew that wasn't for me. So I went into business and was actually pretty successful as an entrepreneur and business executive um, ran and operated several businesses in the travel and tourism sector, but I still wasn't hitting it. I knew that there was more. There was more potential inside me, uh, and, and I, I wanted fulfillment. Uh, and about 10 years ago, I 
I realized that what I love, my passion is connecting with people and helping untap their potential, uh, both leaders as individuals and teams. So I self-declared myself as a coach and hit the ground running, faked it until I made it, and now I am here. I'm, I can say I'm really a coach. And part of the journey of uh, trying to figure it out is what I love to share with my clients, because I find that many, too, are still trying to figure it out. Right. Well, you know, and, you know, and that's really great. So the title of your book is called The Power of Vulnerability, as I said. Now, we don't normally think of vulnerability as a strength, as I mentioned in my intro. So tell us a little bit more about your perspective of vulnerability and why you see it as a source of power. When one is vulnerable, one is actually showing the whole picture, the good, the bad, the ugly, the known, and even beginning to explore the unknown. And when I reveal myself, I, I'm revealing the power that I haven't even yet discovered. And that endears me to others. You know, as, as you said, um, I, 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 I may have Facebook friends, but I'm not really connecting to them on a human or emotional level. But right. when I have a real conversation and they start opening up about uh, their uh, – their dreams, as well as their heartaches, then I start connecting with them at a deep level. And that matters because I then begin to trust them. So in a relationship, and in particular in a business relationship, what we always look for is trust, more trust. And when I trust you and you trust me in our business relationship, we're likely to bring our power as well. Because uh, if I'm real, then I can really bring the power that might be hiding behind my fears, the power that's hiding behind the facade that I create because I don't want you to find out. And, and even though we may be painting what looks like a, a perfect picture, what we're doing in reality is holding back, suspending the enormous capacity of power that uh, resides inside me, inside you, and inside us as a team. So the power of vulnerability when leveraged is going to help us create a, a, a team of powerful leaders. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I had a little bit of a discussion with my own business coach maybe about six months ago. Um, I had uh, recently paid off my my target credit card. I used it to buy a bunch of furniture for my balcony with the idea that I'd pay it off the next month because I already had the cash by one to 20% discount. And so I overpaid it by a dollar. So just for fun, I uh, posted on my Facebook that, hey, I have this $1 credit on my target card because I overpaid it when I paid the card off. Uh, what do I do with this, guys? And, uh, and uh, he said, what the heck are you doing? You're, you're telling people that you're thinking about a dollar? What does that have to do with you being a wealthy, successful business person? And I said, well, but you saw that like 25 people commented on it with ideas about what I could do with that dollar. So the larger point was people, real people, deal with stuff like that. Even if you have a million dollars, 
uh, you find out you have an extra dollar laying around, and you think, oh, what could I do with that extra dollar? Do I buy a soda pop, or do I donate it to a charity, or what do I do with it? Uh, so uh, while I agreed with him that maybe I shouldn't be talking about things like an extra dollar on my credit card balance, the idea that I show people that, hey, I go through real stuff too is very powerful. Also, when I um, recently moved into my new apartment and I was showing pictures and asking people, so what do I do with this room or should I get this accent wall installed and things like that, uh, that really lit people up because, again, it let people see a little bit of me as a human being, somebody they could relate to, somebody they know that even when we're talking business, that this is a real guy who probably goes through some, some of the same real crap that I go through every day. Exactly, Adam. If I'm connecting with you, I am more likely to connect with the source of your power. So I will know how to help you access that power if, and when you're on my team. Um, and yeah. uh, likewise, uh, you know, if you start that process of showing up, being vulnerable, being real, I'm more likely to follow the model that you set for me. It can happen uh, through anyone stepping in as a team member. It doesn't have to be the guy in charge. Uh, it can really be anybody who sets the, the example. Right. Right. Now, speaking of which, you know, we tend to view leaders as the people who have all the answers. But you've mentioned to me that the real secret to strong leadership lies in stepping back to allow others to step forward, since we're talking about the definition of a leader, it's a good place to go. So why is that, and how does this connect to the power of vulnerability? Yeah, great question. Um, as a boss, um, I have enormous responsibility. What I am not fully responsible for, though, is to have all of the answers, uh, answers to every challenge or even the questions to ask. But as the boss, as a, as a real leader, what I want to be able to do is invite the power of each member of my team. Together, we will figure out the answers to all of the challenges or, the, or, or, or the, even the questions to ask. So the best thing I can do is create a safe environment where I can step back and let others step in to their power. And that happens when I have the courage to be vulnerable and to actually step out and say, here's what I know and here's what I don't yet know. This is what I am certain about we should do and here's where I'm concerned or worried. Um, and I need your help in navigating through those fears. And when that happens, yeah. the leader is going to engender the others to reach inside to their power because I'm going to want to help you because now I'm connecting to you as my leader and I'm going to want to connect to the better part of me that I may have kept at bay because my expectation was that my job is to follow you, the boss. But now you're actually inviting me to scratch my head, dip inside to my capacity, and take a chance with the power that um, I, I've kept inside until now. Yeah. See, that right there is a really powerful 
sentiment. And again, it goes back to this idea that uh, a strong leader allows others to step up a little bit and let them have the opportunity to show the power that they bring to the table. And if you have a leader that always has all the answers, that's kind of an inhibitor when you think about it because, okay, so the boss is going to have the answer. So I better anticipate what the boss is going to think about this. Uh, so there's a situation coming up, and, and uh, what answer does the boss expect me to have? And what happens if I have an answer that's different than what the boss has? I have seen experiences with this in my time in the corporate world. Uh, I'll give you an extreme example of something that uh, happened to me uh, before I became an entrepreneur is I guess I had some ideas, you know, you know, positive ideas about something that could happen. And some higher up uh, decided that I was rocking the boat or something. And they went to my supervisor and they gave my supervisor this whole spiel that my, you know, my supervisor who himself was somebody who, when I look back, was somebody who himself understood the power of vulnerability, which is why I still look to him as a mentor. And sometimes I even think to myself, you know, what would he do in a situation like this when I need inspiration? Well, anyway, he told me, and he was, you know, halfway chuckling about this. This person had come to them and said, you make sure to tell Adam that if, I, that if he says the world is round and I say it's flat, he, he owes me an apology for being wrong. I'm thinking, what the hell kind of leader is that? Exactly, exactly. And, 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 I, would add, and I would add, what is it about that leader? Are they vulnerable in some way that their sense of the world is so fragile that if they were to say the world is flat and somebody else would say the world is round and you know you and I both know the world is actually roundish it's kind of an oval really when you look at it uh, what would be so threatening about that that they would make the point to say don't dare let Adam say the world is round if I say it's flat what does it say about their weakness well and, and the beauty in this is um, there's an opportunity for that leader that leader is fragile. And our hope would be to get underneath that fragility to find out why, what, what in his past, what in his operating history triggered this sentiment where he has to be right and others are wrong in order for him to lead. And if we could get to that, if we could get to the story behind that, it probably would help co-create trust in the relationship that he has with teammates. There's a reason why he operates that way. And, and he's stuck. Um, as coaches, we right. would help him get unstuck by revealing what that story is. And once that happens, then others are going to start connecting with him and then connecting with their own story and ultimately their own power. And, and, these, that's a great example, Adam, and we see so many of these examples. You know, the good news is that people actually believe that they have lots of talent, lots of potential. They believe it. The bad news is they're not using it because they've given up on the belief that they have the power to use all of their talent because of the environment, because right. of their boss, or maybe because they've given their power away. Um, so what we want is to leverage the power of vulnerability by creating safe environments so that folks can show up. Yeah, 
And so going along with that, in your book, Barry, you mentioned that a boss should be an easy act to follow. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so when a boss shows up, it's similar to what you're doing on this call, Adam. You know, you're, you're guiding me on this call by making it easy to follow. You're giving real-life examples about how you have been vulnerable. You're showing up as the, the real Adam. And that's what we want bosses to do, to go first sometimes and be the role model. And once they've done that, they can step back because they've made it easy for others to follow. Um, What we want is a team of leaders, not anarchy or or chaos, but um, in, in a powerful fashion, a team of leaders who are taking turns being the lead explorer or the challenger or the one who goes beyond the bounds or limits of the self-limiting beliefs of the team. Um, We want to share the responsibility of getting to that next stage, that next level. And a boss can make it easy by making it safe for others to step into the power of their leadership. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really powerful. Now, uh, now let's talk a little bit about disconnection here. And this is another thing that, you know, I've had experience with and a lot of people I know have had experience with is that many people feel like they're just kind of going through the motions at work. And I've seen this even with people who own businesses, entrepreneurs, business creators. Sometimes they get to the point where it feels like, you know, they, yeah, they have a business and they're running it, but in some ways they're just going through the motions. Now you contend that this is because they don't feel connected to their coworkers and bosses. And then, and I would say from an entrepreneurial perspective, maybe they don't feel connected to their team members. They don't feel connected to their clients. They don't feel connected to their mission. So how does this lack of connection play out? It starts from pretty basic things like disconnecting from um, one's own power. You know, we, we, we talk about technology quicksand and how we can get lost in the lure of our devices to which we're constantly tethered. Uh, and I am more attracted to the device than I am to the person who's sitting across from me. Um, and yeah. what I'm choosing to do in that example is connect to my phone, and by doing so, I'm disconnecting from you. And underneath that, um, I think, you know, I'm disconnecting from from myself. I'm disconnecting from what matters most. I'm disconnecting from um, what I want. Uh, maybe it's because I have given up. Maybe it's because I tell myself the story that I can't get it. Um, but ultimately what I need to do is connect first uh, to, to myself, to my purpose. Um, and and it's, it's not a purpose of grandiosity that is going to look good on social media. It's what really matters to me in an authentic way. And when I, when I do that, then I'm starting to connect with me, and ultimately I can connect with others on the team. 
So this connection is a, an, an epidemic, um, and what we're trying to do is catalyze the inspiration that will help individuals shift from loneliness to connection and ultimately bring teams that may actually function together as a work group to becoming powerful teams. Yeah, I could not agree with that. I could not agree with that more. So I think I heard you mention that, um, you know, something to the effect of sometimes we'll be in the room with a bunch of people, but we find ourselves looking at our phones rather than the people right across from us. Exactly. Um, we're, <laughs> we, we, we've unplugged to the most important opportunity, the people in front of us. And, and we see that socially. Yeah. We see that commercially. I've uh, gone into business meetings, and there are eight people who have flown from all over the country to a meeting, and it starts at 9 o'clock, but at 8.50, they're all checking their phones. And I get that. I get their returning email messages. But they're missing yeah. out on valuable time uh, to connect on a on an intimate human basis before the commercial meeting starts. Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh I, I have a couple personal experiences about this I just want to mention and maybe this will trigger something that will you know you'll have some feedback on is I remember I used to go to these meetings um for a startup I was involved in a few years ago and I uh found myself frequently gazing at my mobile device, or I'd have my laptop up, and I was gazing at my laptop a lot. So uh, this was pointed out to me, and it's like it's like I'm, I'm engaged in a meeting. I'm actually paying attention to everything that's going on, and I'm interjecting, but at the same time, I have my eyes down on this piece of electronics. Now, I thought about it. I looked at the, you know, the, the surroundings of what the room looked like where we were having the meetings and things like that, and you know what was funny is... The reason why I found myself looking at my device a lot is because I usually don't wear a watch, and I just need to know what time it is. So what we figured out is that when I went to the meeting room where we have the uh, we have the meeting, that I just need to sit in a chair where I can see the clock on the wall. And after I did that, my need to look at electronics simply evaporated. I just needed to know what time it was at all times. And if I was wearing a watch, what that would look like optically is I was constantly looking at my watch like, come on, guys, are we done yet? Are we done yet? But as long as I could steal glances at the clock on the wall every once in a while so I knew what time it was, I was perfectly fine. I didn't need to see the technology. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and one of the devices that we use is uh, what we call um, DOCKIT, D-O-C-K-IT, um, recognizing yeah. that when we go into a meeting, while our intention is to be present and engaged and as right. best possible all in, we are naturally distracted. Um, here, Adam, you were distracted because of your need to know what time it is. Others may be distracted because they're waiting for an important answer via email. Uh, others may be distracted because of a disturbing conversation they had on the way. 
And therefore, we start a meeting slow in order to go fast. And part of going slow is to build a safe environment. Right. And in order to build a safe environment, we need to be present. And part of being present is to acknowledge that we have these distractions. So we actually talk about them. And huh. if we were to have done this, Adam, you would have said, yeah, well, I'm, uh, you know, I'm trying to be in, but I'm distracting myself because um, I, I have this need to know what time it is. So we could have self-corrected that right away. And more importantly, right. with vulnerability, we would have shared this bit about you uh, on the team. You know, maybe there's more to it, maybe not. But now I'm getting to know the real Adam. Yeah, and, and you know, you know it took me a minute to discover that too. Yeah, it took me a minute to discover that yeah. too. That um, that the real factor was because when I noticed that even though I had agreed to stop looking at my devices, I kept finding my eyes going back to the devices. So, uh, so it was actually the person who kept pointing this out to me that said, you know, when you do this, maybe here, maybe when you're in some other meeting, maybe just when you're out and about, think about what are the drivers that cause you to pull your phone out of your pocket. And I started actually keeping track of what was it that caused me to reach in my pocket to pull the phone out. Now, some might say, well, I felt it vibrate, so I got a text or a Facebook message. That turned out to be the case maybe 10% of the time. But I noticed a trend that I kept thinking, am I going to be late for something? Am I on time for something? How much time do I have? Where do I need to be? And that all came back to me needing to know what time it was. So when I translated that to that meeting, it's like, okay, I'm supposed to be here for 90 minutes. Um, I don't want this to run over because I really don't like meetings at all. Uh, and I want to make sure that my time in this meeting is well spent, that I get my goals met, and I'm able to support the other people in the room. So by knowing what time it is, that gives me a gauge to do what I can to make the meeting more productive and effective. That's what thank came you. out. What you've just, thank you. What you've just done, Adam, is to reveal not only – the quirk that you need to know what time it is, but more importantly, why. And now I know that you do value your time, and I also know that you're not a big fan of meetings. So right. I would ask, you know, why that is, because uh, maybe underneath that is an opportunity for us to have more productive meetings. Uh, so in building safety, we are getting to some of those answers. And through this conversation, um, we're, we're helping folks um, in, in, in a soft and slow way ease into the meeting so that when we get to the heart of the meeting, the content, the substance, we are more likely to be all in and together we have greater capacity to explore the depths of whatever the meat is on the agenda, which is, uh, you know, the heart of the meeting. That's where we go down in it. And we want to be together with that. So um, that's that's what you triggered for me. It's about connection. Wow. It's about engagement. It's about, it's about saying, here's a distraction. But let, if I acknowledge the distraction, maybe there's some value in it. And by noticing it, I'm actually able to set aside the distraction so that I can re-engage, be present in the moment, 
connect and be all in. Wow. But the first and thing it, is it's got to be safe enough Go for us. It's got to be safe enough for us to talk about that. If it's not safe for you to be able to say, uh, or for the person to say, hey, Adam, you know, you keep using your phone, um, or safe for you to explain why, uh, then we would never have discovered that. Yeah. And when you, and when you look at that, Barry, what I'm just thinking of right now is, you know, they, you know, meetings will have these rules like, uh, put your phone down or something like that. And if you don't address the root issues of why somebody may need to look at their phone in the meeting, then you could actually lose the engagement in the meeting because, uh, you get to the point where people are jonesing about the fact that their phone is in their pocket and there may be something they need to see. So here's something else that comes out of me. Is that person in an environment where if they don't respond to email or a message instantaneously, they're going to literally have somebody chasing them down the hallway, yelling at them, wondering why they don't ever answer messages. Could there be some of that, could there be some of that going in there? So this person is in this meeting for an hour, and they know that, let's say the meeting runs from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Uh, at 10 a.m., when they walk out of that meeting, is somebody going to be standing there with their face red and smoke coming out of their ears saying, I emailed you at 9.13, and I needed an answer for the client by 9.30. Where the hell were you? even though that person knows full well the person was in the meeting and would be not reasonable enough to be able to rationalize, hey, this person was in the meeting. I couldn't get them. Yeah. So if you have that going exactly. on, now we're looking at so many layers of potential vulnerability here that I think by now our listeners who have been tuned in for about the past hour, half hour can start to see by the thought process you and I are laying down that you need to look at what's going on with the person who was in that meeting from 9 to 10, what these, what's going on with that person who was chasing him down in the hallway because they didn't respond to that email fast enough. Uh, there are four or five things we could work on just right there. Yes, and uh, the point I'll make, Adam, is it cascades very quickly through the organization. What can also percolate through the organization on a positive note is the power of vulnerability, that is, being able to talk about it. So what I can do in this meeting when I am checking in, I'm saying there is a critical um, email that I am waiting for and I need to immediately respond because we have to get a delivery out. So uh, I am here, but I need to uh, be ready to, uh, you know, distract myself and answer this. Now, right. if, if I do that, um, then I am freeing myself up from the guilt, the burden. I am um, fulfilling my obligation to my teammate. And while I'm not going to be 100% in for those few minutes, um, I'm doing much better than trying to suppress it. Um, or I right. might, if, I, if it was safe enough, I might say, hey, I've got to miss this meeting. I'll make the next one, but I've got something that I right. need to take care of that's a priority. Or I could go to the teammate who's waiting for my two-minute answer. you got to get somebody else, or you got to do it yourself, because it's more important for me to be in this meeting, and I can't be in two places at the same time. So we want an right. environment where we can be vulnerable about our truths, about the real issues around the tensions. We need to embrace the diversity of our perspectives and communicate, connect, engage, 
Otherwise, we're going to be tripping all over each other. Yeah. Now you can now now another thing that may have gone through some of our listeners' minds as I gave that hypothetical example is that person is going to be standing outside the meeting room with their face all red and smoke coming out of their ears because that person the mean didn't answer their email. Why is it that they're so worked up over that? So what pressures are on them? I mean, what I mean, what fear might be going on with them because they were not able to get that answer by 9:30. I mean, how is that rolling uphill or downhill? So it might not even be that person. That person who comes across as being, "Wow, what a jerk, what a bitch, what an asshole." Uh maybe they're actually one of the kindest, most caring people you'll know. But there's some pressure on them that's pushing them into this place that they may not even feel is authentic to themselves. Exactly. And we see that happen as well. And we don't know. We don't ask. We just assume that, uh, uh, you know, they're wrong. Um, right. One of the benefits of being vulnerable about, you know, telling our story about uh, feeling liberated from having to be perfect uh, is to actually show up with that. So maybe the person who is steaming outside the room um, had a personal challenge at home the night before and in some intentional way is letting the toxicity of that leak out and she blows up outside the door. Uh, if, right. if this were a safe environment for us to be vulnerable, um, then she would have found an outlet to express that in a healthy way and to put some boundaries around that issue so that she could um, get through the day or to find somebody to help to, for support to get through the day. Um, if I show up with my story, then it's easier for me to say, I need help today. I need you to get my back. I need to take it easy right. today. And I know next week you've got my back. But if I keep it to myself, yeah, I, then, you know, that won't happen. I had this experience in my own uh, corporate endeavors once where um, I was just having one of those days where I just wasn't firing on all cylinders. And uh, and my boss at the time, he, he, he says this, he said, hey, look, man, you know, you don't have to be perfect all the time. Just uh, – you know, if it feels like you're you're if it feels like you're missing some things here, just let me know you're not firing on all eight cylinders today. You know, you're a human being like everybody else. I mean, and up until then, I had thought, wow, if I ever come across as less than perfect, this is going to be some big mark on me, and it's going to keep getting brought up over and over and over and over again. Now, the fact was, I had previously been in environments where that was in fact the case, with this little innocuous nothing in the grand scheme of things keeps being an issue year after year after year after year, I actually had not heard of the concept that you could go into your workplace and be open about the fact that you were having an off day. I'd never heard of that. <laughs> well, unfortunately, it's still taboo in many places. And what we're looking to do is inspire all businesses to recognize that we're human beings trying to make the best of things. And when we're able to be real, the best of us actually comes out in enormous ways. Um, and yeah. it may not be evenly spread, um, you know, over, over 40, 50 hours a week, 
there are times right. that we need to take a time out. And then there are times when we are going to be all in on all cylinders and, uh, you know, blow the roof off because it's time for that, you know, un- untapped or hidden power to emerge um, at an yeah. individual level and on a, on a team level. And when, yeah, when my boss told me that, you know, uh, as I think about this, you know, in hindsight, what that inspired in me was a greater willingness on my part to cover for him when he needed it, to uh, to uh, be more understanding when he just couldn't get it together someday because he showed me that he recognized my humanity. So in doing so, he showed me a bit of his. And I think in yeah. the greater scheme of things, it made for a better working relationship. Because, yeah, when he yeah. made a mistake or he miscommunicated or something like that or couldn't even pronounce the word miscommunication, <laughs> you know, um, I uh, I could think to myself, well, yeah, you know, he um, he understands that uh, I occasionally make a little mistake here. I occasionally just can't seem to get my eyes focused either. So uh, I'm, I'm going to do him this good turn. And, I mean, think about the strength and the power that comes from that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, not, but and and that's a great example of the leader here. You know, your boss making it easy for you to follow because he yeah. recognized your humanity, and by doing so, he connected with you on a human level. So you saw him not as the boss, but as a human being, and were more likely yeah. to follow his lead, uh, connect with him that way. And support him, um, and so that uh-huh. that that made that made you a dynamic duet. And if this is going on throughout the organization, it, you will co-create generative power just by yeah. just by being vulnerable. Yeah, I know, I know. So, Barry, if the key to unleashing the full potential lies in people being authentically connecting with one another, why doesn't this happen more often? Well, <laughs> because, you know, this this message, well, not even a new message, is sometimes counterintuitive because we're, we're wired, we're taught that um, <laughs> we need to be perfect. We need to show up and follow the rules and do our job. Um, we're... Uh, often products of the environment in which we work. So we learn very quickly how to get through. We learn that in school. You know, how do I get a passing grade? Or what is the amount of work that I need to do in order to get a B or an A? And uh, we miss the purpose. And then we get to the workplace and we look around and we see a political dynamic so we learn how to survive, how to hold on to our territory, our job, and we end up in silos, working side by side in parallel, sometimes functionally, but we're leaving a lot of capacity, a lot of power, and a lot of money on the table. Right. Right. I understand. So, so um, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I did. Yeah, so, so why does this happen? Uh, it, you know, it becomes a self-fulfilling belief. If I'm here to survive, um, that's what I will do. 
or maybe I've given up. Maybe I've given up because um, I tell myself the story and create, therefore, self-limiting beliefs that I can't do it any other way. Uh, I, right. I can't take I can't take time off, or I can't tell my story, and I won't. Yeah. So this is about you know this is this is why we wrote the book. This is why I'm you know sharing this with you on the show. Um, we're we're spreading the word because we we believe um, in this power of vulnerability and how it, we. we um, we we can work not just side by side, but together. Yeah, absolutely. Now we've already given some examples of you know how we can create some conditions where people can share their true selves. We've done this through uh, you know some of the Socratic method of telling stories, and I think that's great. Now for the purpose of time, um, I do want to jump ahead here a little bit, um, if if that's okay, because I want to give our listeners something that they can really sink their teeth into, that they can take and implement right now today and say, wow, I'm so glad I listened to Barry Kaplan on the Business Creators Radio Show. Um, it was right around the 40th minute that I got this thing that was just so awesome that it made the whole thing worthwhile, and I am a stronger leader as a, as a result of it. So, Barry, you've worked with hundreds of organizations and teams, hundreds. And one of the approaches that you use involves investing time up front checking in. So we might have alluded to this a little bit, but if you could tell us more about what it means and why it's important, and what are the steps to doing this check-in? Absolutely. Yeah, how often do we go into a meeting and we rush right into the agenda, um, even while people are still checking their phones or are still thinking about the meeting from which they just came or the phone call right. that they didn't completely finish? or the email that they need to send. Um, so I mentioned, you know, we need to go slow to go fast. Uh, we need to build a safe environment as the first step before we get to the second step of the heart or substance of the meeting. And in that first step, one of the devices we use is to check in, to get present. And uh, we, we use a, a simple simple four-question model. I want to check in with where I am right now in my head, in my heart, in my body, and in my soul. In other words, I ask myself, wow. where am I right now um, mentally or in my head? Um, am, I, am I here or am I distracted? Um, am I um, foggy uh, or, or am I clear? You know, where, where am I in my head? And then I drop down on my heart and I ask, you know, where am I emotionally? What are the range of emotions that I'm feeling? Recognizing that I am a human being. And even though I may be feeling emotions that have nothing to do with the business agenda, I still... And experiencing those emotions, and in some way that will impact how I show up. So by sharing where where I am emotionally, how I'm feeling, um, it's going to help me identify how those emotions may cloud my perspective or influence my perspective, and I'm getting present with them. 
So I'm able to bring some value from those emotions into the content of the meeting. Maybe uh, right. I'm, um, you know, anxious about something. I guess if I'm aware of that, it'll inform how I show up. Um, and then I drop to my body because you know, I have to sit here, um, you know, in one place for an hour. I I want to be in touch with what's going on. Maybe I didn't have time to get coffee. Uh, maybe I'm hungry. Maybe uh, I've, I've got a cold. Maybe I didn't get enough sleep. Maybe my, I have a backache. And if I identify that, then I can, I, I, I'm able to partition that. Say, okay, I've got back problems. Uh, you'll understand if I need to stand up. It's not, no disrespect, but I need to take care of myself. Again, I'm being vulnerable. Yeah. And then finally, right. um, I, I want to check in with the, the wild card, soulfully. Where am I, uh, you know, purposely? How am I connecting to something bigger than me? Maybe it's blank today. Maybe I'm very connected. Uh, maybe I'm inspired. Um, and that will also help you see where I am in terms of the bigger picture. Or yes. um, maybe you'll understand why I'm disconnected. So in a short few minutes, or as we each check in, I am connecting with where you are as a person, and that helps me understand you, accept you, trust you, got your back. It's also going to warm me up for the meat of the for the meat for the heart of the meeting. And I said we go slow to go fast. Now we can accelerate when we get to the content of the meeting. If we were maybe operating at forty to sixty percent when we first walked in. We're now closer to 70 to 90% and therefore accessing more of our power and connecting uh, to the source of that power in a, in a real way. Yeah. And, you know, just taking the time to check in with all this stuff is so important because we may find ourselves, I mean, if we're going to stay on the topic of meetings here for a minute, you go into this thing and it's just like you're, you're kind of in left field or it's like you're thinking, why am I here? I got so many other things I need to be doing. And just that check-in could also help the individual um, access their own vulnerability to look at, okay, so why am I so anxious to be here? Because I have so many other things going on outside of this. This is really a drag on my time. So now I can think about how do I manage that other stuff better so that I can make this a more productive thing? Or maybe I need to be vulnerable enough uh, for myself uh, to be able to go to the person running the meeting to say, you know, um, I, I, I just want to check in and see, you know, why am I here? Because this seems like something where I very rarely have a contribution. Or maybe there's something missing. Maybe I'm missing the point of, why I need to be here, uh, and that could open up a number of different things. Maybe the person running the meeting um, doesn't realize that they're underutilizing this person's talents in the room. Maybe the person is a mismatch, they just don't really need to be there. Or if they're there for informational purposes, maybe all they need is the minutes. So, I mean, right there, there's three different ways you could approach that. You got it, absolutely. And what we're doing is um, setting ourselves up for success when we get to the heart of the agenda, which is the part of the right. meeting that we're used to, but this is going to make it not, not, not to, this is going to 
optimize the potential for us to have a breakthrough during the heart of the meeting because we are setting aside our distractions and hopefully inviting our creativity, our, our the, the power of our collective innovation inside this meeting so that we will have a breakthrough. And if we do that, the next meeting is going to be a lot more enjoyable for you. We're going to actually change yeah. our relationship to how we view meetings if we can actually cover yeah. more ground. And what we always do is to create enough time before we complete the meeting to anchor and integrate, even if it's two minutes. We want to recap what happened, anchor it, so that everybody is clear about what happens next between now and the next meeting. Yeah, that's very good. See, now here's something I do with um, with my clients when uh, they're team meetings or, or something like that. Some of my clients have regular team meetings. Uh, some don't, some do. Uh, and then uh, also there uh, was an organization I used to be president of that had a monthly meeting. And what I have found is a lot of times you have these weekly round-robin meetings, and it seems like everybody's reading off these long narratives of, you know, this is what I've done, and it's, it can be very tedious and very boring, and then you've gone the whole hour, and nothing's actually happened. Nothing's been accomplished. So here's what I have folks do, and this I found this to be very successful, is you have everybody who is attending the meeting within, you know, at least 48 hours before the meeting begins. You send the entire group a brief email, and it covers three topics. What have I accomplished since the last meeting? What am I working on? Well, actually, it's four topics. What have, I, what have I accomplished? What am I working on? Where do I need support and from who? And what ideas do I have to move this company or organization forward? And when we all have a chance to read that before we even get into the meeting, then it, it gets us straight to the point where we already kind of know where everybody is and we can start asking questions of each other. We can start working on issues. And then there's usually time left at the end to pick some of those ideas that people have submitted and work on something that could lead to a solution. And we find that the topics of the meetings then start changing from week to week instead of it being the same conversation over and over again. Now, to make that work, um, I usually find that the first couple times around, you have to be a little bit tough about it. Like when I was the president of that organization, there were seven people on the board. Four of them submitted their summaries in advance. So as soon as we got through the first four people, because you know, everybody had a turn, they didn't get to do their narrative, but they jumped right into their questions and their support, and we went around with that. As soon as the first four were done, even though we still had 30 minutes left in the meeting, I said, guys, great meeting. We're adjourned. We'll see you next month. And so you had the other three people saying, hey, what about me? And I said as nicely as I can, I said, look, um, you, I asked you to submit the summary. Um, uh, I followed up with it. It didn't arrive, or you said you didn't have one, or you had nothing to say. So we just assumed that you have everything perfectly handled, and you don't need the support of the group, and had nothing to contribute. Well, of course, you, know, you had the steam coming out of their ears, but here's what happened next, Barry. For the rest of my term as president of that organization, all those reports came in on time. In fact, the people who the first round had not submitted any were the first to do so for the rest of, the, of my term. In fact, they became the most active participants in the meeting because what I did 
is I showed them that we want to have productive meetings that move the organization forward, and I wanted to show them where we could unleash their power so they could really make a big difference. I mean, it was through, for a while they were actually pre-submitting their reports just to me because they wanted to make sure that it looked okay before they showed it to the rest of their colleagues. I was really touched by that, and I told them it wasn't necessary. And then there was the other time that uh, they started writing basically what amounted to dissertations. I said, no, 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 no. Email with bullet points is fine. We just need to get these four questions answered. Now, with one of my clients, yeah, we implemented well. the same thing. Now, with one of my clients, we really implemented the same thing. Uh, you know, it came to somebody, you know, it, there was somebody there who had not submitted the report, and uh, and she started with, okay, so it's my turn, so I have an oral report. And I said, no, you don't. No, we don't do oral reports. Uh, we needed your summary, and uh, and we didn't receive it from you. And when we asked for it, we didn't hear from you. So you do not have an oral report. Uh, please, next week, submit your summary in a timely fashion, and we'll even let you go first. But no. And uh, I was as nice as I could be about that, but I, you, know, you have to set the tone if you want to give everybody that chance to speak and everybody that chance to make a difference. Right, right. So thank you for that, Adam. And in the first set of examples, you inspired the teammates to change their relationship to how they viewed the meeting, the purpose of the meeting, and why it was uh, significant to share reports in advance. Uh, and in the second example, uh, you were protecting the safety of the environment that you had created. Um, you did yeah. not allow one person to um, change the rules. Here, you recognize that uh, the structure and the safety built into that structure uh, was critical and you respected the boundaries around that and uh, therefore respectfully told the, told the teammate that uh, you know, she had to come back the following week with the written report. Yeah, and, and, and what I was also looking out for is all the people who were actively participating in the process because I wanted to set the tone that when we all contribute to this environment that's going to allow us all to contribute more, that the people who do it are going to get the rewards and the people who don't are not going to get away with it. So we had the same thing happen with that one woman. She became really, really, really good at the summaries and really dove in and quickly emerged as a leader in the discussions. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's the power of vulnerability. Yeah, so um, we have about five minutes left here, and I do want to, you know, I know you have something for our audience at the end. I don't want us to run out of time. So there's one more question I want to ask here. Um, you say there's a difference between a boss and a leader, and I think that's a great way for us to end here. So just describe for us the difference between a boss and a leader. Absolutely. Um, a boss is somebody who uh, has received authority from an external source. Could be okay. the owner, uh, you know, could be the organization. And typically the boss is part of a hierarchy, uh, what we call an organizational chart. A leader can be anyone on that chart. It doesn't have to be uh, vertical. Uh, it can be horizontal. Our belief is that we are all leaders. We are all CEOs of our lives. 
And what we want is to access the power of that leadership. And the vehicle to do that is through our vulnerability because that's the gateway to becoming whole, to becoming full, to showing up with, as we discussed, our full humanity, which includes the gifts that others haven't yet seen, maybe the gifts that we haven't accessed in a long, long time. Um, So we can have lots of leaders in the company. Hopefully the boss is also a leader. Yeah, I've seen, you know, and I've seen happen in environments, uh, and th- that's a great definition, and you know, this goes back to the power of vulnerability and how we establish leadership. Is I, um, I remember when I was in college, I had a part-time job working in a fast food joint, and, uh, and uh, our store was the one where they trained all the new managers. It was a special type of store. And uh, I'm thinking of this one uh, assistant manager trainee in particular who was really good at barking out orders and things like that, but... Uh, she had absolutely no authority whatsoever. People just ignored her. I mean, literally just ignored her. I mean, she'd be standing in the middle of the line, and people would just walk around her and would not even acknowledge what she was saying. Like, uh, I, I, like, uh, like what immediately jumped into mind is um, I'd already worked there for years, and I was doing the process where we uh, you know, set up the line to prepare for the rush, and she says, you have one hour to complete this. And I'm thinking, for the <laughs> love of Pete, I've been here – Four years. Don't tell me how long I have to do this. And and besides, I get the damn thing done in 45 minutes. So don't tell me how I have an hour. I don't need you to tell me how long I have to complete a task. And uh, (laughs) I mean, that's just one. That's just one example. But I mean, I I felt nothing in terms of loyalty or inspiration or anything like that. Um, I might have responded if. she had shown curiosity about what I do um, or had, uh, uh, you know, from the perspective of wanting to be a really good manager, uh, made suggestions because uh, maybe I could have found a better way to do something. Who knows? But to tell me how long I have, goodness gracious. Exactly. A boss gives orders. So a, a leader yeah. engages and connects. Yeah. And and that, uh, and that catalyzes yeah, it, getting to a deeper level. Yep. Yeah. So what she had there is she may have been a boss, but by not even regarding her trying to tell me how long I had and just going and doing my thing, I actually had the authority in that situation. So you got to think about that. Now, Barry, uh, tell us a little bit about your book. We have a minute and a half here. I want to give you one minute. So how do we get it and what do we get? The title of the book, again, is The Power of Vulnerability, How to Create a Team of Leaders by by Shifting Inward. And uh, you can order it on our website, which is www.shift180.com, the name of our company, Shift180, S-H-I-F-T-180. Or you can get it from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, or indie bound. So pick up a copy of the book. Uh, call us. Uh, we'd love to talk. Very good. So shift180.com. Be sure to pick up the power of vulnerability. I think I'm going to grab a copy for myself. Barry Kaplan, thank you for being with us. It's been an honor and an education. Thank you. Have a great day, Adam. Thanks. You. 
that. And for everybody listening, this is Adam Homie, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.